0: The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. You are a wonderful God. And you have given us every good and perfect gift from heaven. Help us, Lord. help us as we pray that we might hear you today we ask this through Christ our Lord and all God's people said amen Amen. we've got to train our brain to have an attitude of gratitude years and years ago the early Methodists with John and Charles Wesley were called the shouting Methodists. They were called enthusiasts. And these things weren't compliments. They were terms of derision. And and by the 1800s, the beginning of that century, when, when the Methodists in England had grown up, they tried to present themselves as an emotionless, a calm and quiet, a reserved people. They did a good job. In in, in the States, all of that energy, all of that enthusiasm lasted until about the time of the Civil War. And and in that time frame, the mid-1800s, the beginning of the late 1800s, there was a movement that came out of Methodism called the Holiness Movement. The Assemblies of God, the Nazarene Church, Pentecostal Holiness Movement came out of Methodism. I remember one friend in seminary who was a member of the Church of God in Christ, and he thanked us for the energy and the power that we left to him because we were quiet Methodists. Here's an early American song I found, a a part of it. They are despised by Satan's train because they shout and preach so plain. I'm bound to march in endless bliss and die a shouting Methodist. On well, next Sunday, I'm going to ask, have you ever heard God call your name? And I remember when I first heard that question in church. Have you ever heard God call your name? I was in a Pentecostal holiness church in the islands, and I told my mom I needed to get saved, so she took me to church. And it happened that day that a woman came forward, and she started on the pulpit side of the chancel, and she finished on the lectern side of the chancel chancel, and it was a volatile, enthusiastic, shouting event to move from here to there. And when we got home, my mom said, uh, you remember that woman? I said, yeah, she was shouting. And my mom said, she was getting saved. Do you want to do that? I said, nope. (laughs) Nope. But the preacher preached on 1 Samuel 3, and he asked us, Have you ever heard God call your name? And if I hadn't been a quiet Methodist, I'd have said, yes! But I'm a quiet Methodist, so I didn't. The word shout in our reading today occurs a few chapters, a chapter before and a few chapters after. And seeing it in, in all three contexts, it caught my attention in, in Luke 18 and 38, when, when Jesus and his disciples are, are traveling through Jericho on their way to Jerusalem, Luke tells the story that a blind beggar asked what all the hubbub was about, and when he heard it was Jesus, it said, then he shouted, the same word as in our reading, son of David, have mercy on me. And we know that story. Jesus stopped the train and said, bring him to me. And he went to him and Jesus healed him so that he could see. After our reading today, later in the week, as it were, in Luke 23, the crowds are gathered at the pavement place. They are before Pilate who has Jesus and is presenting them, Jesus, asking if they would have him flogged and released. And it says this, Then they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow! Release Barabbas for us! Crowds are fickle that way. And in our reading They were walking down from the Mount of Olives into the valley to process up into Jerusalem and and they were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save us. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord is the traditional kingly statement. They were in their praises declaring Jesus king over Israel. Now, we may not have a problem with that, but Pilate did because Caesar did. They were naming Jesus as king in place of the local government, the imposed government, the conquering government, and... and, and the Pharisees were worried because the time of Passover was always a time of remembering God's faithfulness to deliver God's people. And it was always a time of looking forward to freedom. We have the Pharisees telling Jesus, Tell them to hush, tell them to be silent. And Jesus said, if these are silent, the very stones would shout out. Now, when, 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 when we were in Sunday school, we learned that Jesus was a carpenter. But he worked as much with stone in Israel as he did with wood. And maybe more with stone because there aren't a lot of trees there. There's a lot of rocks and the rocks along the Palm Sunday Road are big rocks, rocks that paved the road, rocks that are on the sides of the road where the road was hewn out between the hills. Rocks, more rocks than are in this sanctuary on this long road down into the valley and back up to the city. If those rocks were to shout praise to God, I believe the earth would crumble. And here's the thing. Rocks weren't made to praise God. We are. So Jesus asks us today, got praise? Well, where does praise come from? I believe and i found that praise of God is rooted in an attitude of gratitude. Anybody remember Romans 8, 28? Hence, we know for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to God's purpose. It doesn't say that all things are good. Bad things happen in life. We've heard about them this week in our city. Awful things, terrible things, they happen right next door. But in the midst of that, God is working, and God intends to work through God's people everywhere to bring about redemption. 1 Thessalonians, Paul wrote these commands to the early church and to us. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstance. And here's a shout out to all you English teachers, semicolon, not comma, And it matters, because the next phrase is meant to modify all three commands, not just the last words. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus, that we always rejoice, that we always pray, that we always give thanks. Almost a year ago, I met the founder of Jason's Deli, Papa Joe. I was gonna to try to say his last name, I wrote it down, it's there. Papa Joe is what they call him. And 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 he spoke at the police officers annual memorial service. And 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 he gave a gift to the whole police department, each officer in, in, in our department. And he said, this one simple practice is changing my life. And I thought, Papa Joe, I don't, I don't even know how old he is. But he was concerned enough that in his following of Jesus, he believed that he still needed to cultivate practices that would continue to transform his life. And he said, I do this every day. At the end of the day, I get my journal and I write down three things. For which I am thankful. It, it, it might be three people that influenced his life that day. It, it might be three events. It might be three items that made life a little bit easier. But every day he wrote down three things for which he was thankful. On your way out, maybe on your way in, you got one of our journals. Love, Beaumont, First United Methodist Church. There are 30 pages. That's 60 front and back. I want to invite us as God's people for the next 60 days to keep a grateful journal so that we can deepen and and, and more richly cultivate our attitude of gratitude. Maybe, maybe you're already doing it. Maybe you've heard Papa Joe talk about that. Maybe he gave you a gratefulness journal. If you're already doing it, great. Help one of us who are not doing it. Ask us, hey, did you, did you journal? Did you write down three things? Maybe, maybe you're already doing that too if you're keeping a journal and you're encouraging someone else to keep a thankfulness journal let's have coffee because there's 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 something important i mean if you're already doing those things there's something important that god has for you to do and i'd like to find out what that is together so so why why do we keep an attitude of gratitude gratefulness journal well Do we not say every time we gather that God is faithful? All the time? And when we believe that, we are in fact more deeply grateful. And here's the truth. On today and on every day, God will be praised. Amen? Somebody is going to praise God. Why not? Why not me? Because if I'm silent these rocks are gonna cry out in my place one of the deeper reasons is that it is a better witness for the Lord I mean what if as your pastor I stood up to pray uh, preach and pray and said you know I sound like Eeyore, or and we ought to be thankful It was warm earlier in the weekend and now it's cold again. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Some days I have your days. I really do. Doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how good things are in my life. I'm just kind of down in the dumps. It's especially when we have those days. That we need this little book to write down three things. I have days that that this is the farthest thing from my mind. Thankful? You want me to be thankful? Yeah, be thankful for something. You see, this is this is what it means. Thomas Merton wrote to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything He has given us. And He has given us everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of His love. Every moment of existence is a grace, for it brings with it immense graces from God. So today Jesus asks us and invites us as we cultivate an attitude of gratitude God prays don't let the rocks cry out where we are called to praise God let's pray to breathe and to find your life and your love in each and every breath reminds us that we are to keep so busy praising you that everybody knows that we know and we share and we give your love. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.